Chapters 34 through 39 Of the Paradise or Garden of the Holy Fathers, Book 1, by Palladius. Translated by E. A. Wallace Budge. The Sleeperbox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 34 An Apology and Preface and Admonition. Now, therefore, O my brother, it sufficeth for me that I have called to mind all these things, and that I have handed them on in writing. For this thing did not happen without the will of God, because thou wast moved in thy mind to command me to make this compilation, and also to hand down in writing an account of the lives and acts of the Holy Fathers. And according to the command of the love of God which is in thee, I will write down also the upright lives of holy women who have prospered in the good works of patient endurance. And afterwards I will also write down the account of the stumblings of those who have fallen away from a straight rule of life through the pride which seized upon them and through the wicked and vain opinion that came upon their souls and who were tripped up and stumbled and fell through their weakness in the war of the adversary, although not of their own will, for after they fall they triumph still more gloriously and acquired rectitude. And I will do this for the benefit of those who are about to meet with this compilation so that they may set the edifice of their building upon the firm ground of humility with zeal and care, and may fly from pride, and may take refuge in humility. And it shall be my object to write with extreme care concerning the humility of the holy men, and concerning their long-suffering, and concerning their patient endurance, and the questions which they asked each other, together with their answers, and the sundry and diverse things which I shall be able to call to mind concerning the lives of the Holy Fathers. And, O thou faithful servant of Christ, having lighted upon this book with pleasure, and having derived therefrom sufficiently a demonstration of the resurrection, and of the lives and labors of the Holy Fathers, and also of their patient endurance, and being able to grow up in a good hope, and to advance easily in virtues, turn thyself round for once, so that thou mayest see that which is behind thee, and seeing my feebleness, do thou pray for me, and take good heed to guard thy soul, even as I know thou hast been able to do from the time when thou didst hold the consular power of Titanius unto this day, and again as I found thee when thou wast the prefect and officer of the bedchamber of the God-fearing king. For the man who hath such power as this, and who is able to enjoy himself with wealth and abundance, must not forget the fear of God, and he must take the greatest care possible to emulate Christ, who heard from the Calminator these words, All these things will I give unto thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. St. Matthew 4, 9 Therefore take good heed unto thyself, and be vigilant, so that thou mayest at all times be exalted over the necks of thy secret and invisible enemies. Amen the triumphant deeds and exploits and histories of holy women, of the Virgin of Alexandria who hid Athanasius. Now therefore it is necessary for us to remember also the chosen and mighty women, unto whom God also gave an equal measure of strength of will, as unto men, so that they might have no excuse for being feeble in the performance of the labor of ascetic excellence. I have seen large numbers of widows who were exceedingly glorious and excellent in the performance of ascetic virtues, and among the chaste virgins whom I saw in Alexandria, there was one who I esteemed to be seventy years old, 
and all the clergy testified concerning her, that one a young woman, about twenty years old, she possessed exceeding beauty, and she was more looked at than many women, and because of her beauty she fled lest she should become the cause of stumbling unto men. Once when the Arians were plotting against the blessed Athanasius, the bishop of Alexandria, and were acting craftily in respect of him, that they might do him harm through the prefect Eusebius, and through the wicked men who were his partisans in the days of the emperor Constantine the Less, i.e. Constantius, and were spreading abroad infamous reports about him, and were accusing him of many things which were unseemly for Christians to do. Athanasius fled that he might not be condemned in their wicked and corrupt hall of judgment, and he told no man, neither kinsmen, nor friends, nor ecclesiastics, nor any other men, where he was going. And as soon as certain men from among the magistrates had entered into the episcopal palace suddenly, and begun to search for him and to inquire for him, he rose up at midnight and took his tunic, and fled to this virgin, who, being greatly astonished and struck with wonder at the matter, was moved exceedingly. And the blessed Athanasius said unto her, Because I am sought for by the Arians, who are making unseemly accusations against me, and because I do not want to spread about an unseemly opinion of myself, and I wish not to prepare a great punishment for those who would be condemned for my sake, and be made guilty for me, I determined to betake myself to flight. And God gave me a revelation this night, saying, There is no other person with whom thou canst find deliverance except this virgin. Now therefore, because of her exceedingly great joy, she removed from herself and set aside all thoughts of shame, and she became wholly the servant of our Lord. And she hid that holy man for the whole period of thirty years, that is to say, until the death of Constantine. She used to wash his feet, and she prepared everything of which he had need, and attended to his bodily wants, and whatsoever he needed that she provided, and she borrowed books and brought them to him. And no man in Alexandria knew during that whole period of thirty years where the blessed Athanasius was. And when the death of Constantine, i.e. Constantius, was announced, then Athanasius also heard thereof. He rose up and came by nights, and he was suddenly found to be in the church. And all those who saw him marveled as they looked carefully at him, for he was like unto a man who had risen from the grave. And he made an apology to those who truly loved him, and spake unto them, saying, I did not flee unto you, for the reason that there might not be unto you an occasion for swearing false oaths. And moreover, because of the search and inquiry, which they were sure to have made for me, I fled unto that woman concerning whom no man should suspect of harm. For she is young and beautiful, and I have gained two things, my own life and hers. I have helped her in many things, and I have taken care and preserved myself. Chapter 35 Of Paimon the Virgin Paimon was a virgin who lived all her days with her mother, and she spent her nights in constant vigil, and she ate food at the time of the evening, and she labored at the weaving of linen, and she was held to be worthy of the gift of knowing what was going to happen before it happened. Now it happened on a time that there was in Upper Egypt a certain village which was fighting with another village, for the villages quarreled with each other concerning the division of the waters of the Nile. 
and they fought so violently that frequently murders were committed, and men were beaten to death, and the village which was stronger than the village of this virgin rose up against it in fierce wrath, and there came against the inhabitants of her village a crowd of boastful and violent men, carrying staves and spears to kill them. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto her, and revealed unto her the craft of those who were ready to fall upon them secretly. Then she sent and called the elders of the church of her village, and said unto them, Go ye forth to meet the inhabitants of that village, for behold, they are coming against you, lest peradventure ye and the village perish, and make entreaty unto them that perhaps they may be turned aside from their daring attack, and they may spare the village. Now the elders of the village were afraid, and they fell down at her feet and made supplication unto her, saying, We do not dare to go forth to meet them, for we are well acquainted with their miserable nature and their arrogance. But if thou wishest to spare the village and thine own house, do thou thyself go forth to meet them. And the virgin would not undertake to go forth, but she went up upon the roof and stood up there in a prayer the whole night long without once kneeling down. And she made bowings and entreaties unto God, saying, O Lord, thou judge of the earth, who hast no pleasure in whatever is iniquitous. O my Lord, when the prayer which thine handmaiden hath prayed and her supplication reach thee, let thy power transfix the enemy in the spot wherein they are. And straightway on that very day, at a distance of three miles from the village, they became fettered and stood still, being unable to move from the spot. And it was revealed unto them also that they were hindered from moving by the supplication of that woman. And whereupon they sent to the inhabitants of the village and made peace with them and became reconciled unto them. And they also sent a message unto them saying, Give ye grateful thanks unto God, for it was the prayers of Paimon which preserved us from coming to you. Chapter 36 Of our blessed mother Thaladia, the old woman of Antinoe. Now in the city of Antinoe there were twelve nunneries, and the women thereof conducted themselves according to the role of beautiful spiritual excellence. Here I saw the aged handmaiden of Christ, whose name was Mother Thalida, who had dwelt in the holy house according to what she herself and those who were her associates told me, for eighty years. And there lived with her seventy virgins who followed the path and rule of the ascetic life in purity. And they led a life of happiness under the teaching of this good old woman whom they loved and on whom they depended. And because of the great affection which they poured out upon her, the key was never taken away from any one of them, as is customary in other religious houses for women. And through her divine doctrine, she changed them into a state of incorruptibility. Now this old woman arrived at such a state of impassibility that when I entered into her presence and sat down by her side, she stretched out her hands and laid them upon my shoulders in the boldness and freedom which she had acquired in Christ. Chapter 37 Of the Virgin Theor Now in this nunnery there was a certain virgin whose name was Theor, who was the disciple of a certain old woman of ascetic excellence who had lived therein for thirty years. And she would consent to receive neither beautiful apparel, nor a veil, nor sandals, saying, I do not require them, for I am not compelled to go down into the market. 
Every first day of the week, the other women used to go down to the church to partake of the offering. But this virgin used to remain by herself in the nunnery, dressed in rags, and she would sit at her work at all hours, and by these means she acquired such sagacious, wise, and ready appearance that every man who was wont to abhor the sight of women would have been nigh to being snared and falling at the sight of her, had it not been that shamefacedness, which is the guardian of chastity, was ever with her, and that she ordered her gaze in a chaste manner by means of shame and fear. Chapter 38 Of the Virgin and Martyr Colothos Now there was another virgin there who was a neighbor of mine and who dwelt near me, but whose face I had never seen, for according to what they said about her, she had never gone down to the market from the day whereon she had become a nun, but had completed sixty years with the head of her nunnery, and finally, when she was about to depart from the world, the martyr whose name was Caluthos, who had lived by the side of the nunnery, appeared unto her and said unto her, This day thou art about to depart from this world unto thy Lord, and thou shalt see all the saints, but come and eat a meal with us in the martyrium. Thereupon she arose up early in the morning, and arrayed herself in her apparel, and taking bread and olives and garden herbs in her basket, she went forth as she had done for many years, and having gone to the martyrium, she prayed, and having watched for the space of a whole day for an opportunity when no man would be found therein, she drew nigh and cried out unto that martyr, and said unto him, Ask a blessing on my food, O Saint Caluthos, and accompany thou me on this my journey by thy prayers, and having eaten her food and prayed, she came back at sunset to her nunnery, and she gave unto the head thereof the book of Clement, which is called Stromata, and containeth a commentary or explanation of Amos the prophet, saying, Give this book to the bishop who is in Alexandria in exile, and say unto him, Pray for me, for I am about to depart. And she died in the night without suffering either sickness or from pain in her head, but she rolled herself up in her garments and died. Chapter 39 Of the Virgin and of Mestraginus, who fought with wild beasts for her sake. In the ancient book which was ascribed to Hippolytus, who knew the apostles, I have found the following history written. There was a certain woman who was of noble birth and beautiful in her face, and who came from the city of the Corinthians, and who continued to live in a state of virginity and certain people laid an accusation against her before the governor, who was a heathen, at the time of the persecution of the Christians, and culminated her, saying, She hath abused the government and the emperors. She hath uttered blasphemies against the gods, i.e. the idols. She hath treated the sacrifices with contempt. Such were the lying words which the wicked men concocted about her, because they had been led captive by her beauty. Now because the governor was more addicted than they all to lasciviousness, he accepted such calumnies as these, and became mad with desire like lustful stallions. Even as it is written, he was inflamed by lust, Jeremiah 5, 8. And having tried to seduce her by means of cunning schemes of every kind, and being unable to do so, he became furious with her and handed her over to be punished, not by means of stripes and scourgings, but he wanted to make her earn her living by fornication, and he commanded the man unto whom he had delivered her to collect daily from the money 
which should be paid to her for hire, three derricks, and to bring them to him and this man, in order that he might not make use of the command in any sluggish manner, and that he might not lose money, and also make the governor exceedingly angry. Set her up as a gift before all those who wish to have her. Now therefore, when those who are as keen in their lust for the maiden as are hawks for a snared sparrow perceive those things, they thronged into the tavern of destruction, i.e. the brothel, and having given money unto the man to whom the virgin had been delivered, they drew nigh unto her and spoke unto her such things as they thought would be helpful to their intentions. But the virgin who was wise among women urged them on with blandishments in a gladsome manner and strengthened her mind in the hope of him for whom she had guarded her virginity, and she made petitions unto them, saying, I have a hidden sore in a certain place, and the smell of its running is exceedingly strong, and I am afraid that after ye have embraced me, I will bring you to hate me, and that your souls will loathe me. I therefore beseech you to wait a few days until I am well again, and then ye shall have the power to do whatsoever ye like with me for nothing. And having with such like words dismissed them, she offered up unto God during those days, with her whole heart prayers and supplications and bowings to the ground, that he would help her, and that she might be saved and delivered from such hateful destruction as this, and that she might be kept in a state of unsullied virginity. Then God, seeing her chastity, sent a fervent longing for her into a certain young man called Magistranius, who was wholly excellent, both in mind and in body, and it burned like fire even unto death, and he went, as it were, into a lustful passion, and at the time of evening he entered the house of the man who had been commanded to receive the money, and gave him five derricks. And he said unto him, Let me be with the virgin this night, and he permitted him to be with her. Then having gone into the place which was her sleeping room, he said unto her, Rise up and save thyself. And having stripped off her apparel, and dressed her in his own clothes, and covered her with his cloak, and completed her attire after the manner of that of a man, he said unto her, Muffle up thy head, and go forth. And having done this, she signed herself with the sign of the cross, and went forth. And at the turn of the day, the fraud became known, and Magistranius was delivered up, and was cast to the beasts. Thus was the evil devil put to shame, because that martyr, who was worthy of admiration, was able to crown himself with the two crowns of a double martyrdom, one on behalf of himself and one on behalf of that blessed woman. End of chapters 34 through 39